0: In Philippians chapter 1, that was neat, <laughs> I appreciate Brother Chris, man. <laughs> yeah. uh. Alright, Philippians chapter 1, and verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And so, um, let me get back to where I was. Too many tabs open. <laughs> there we go. And anybody need the handout? Those Philippians handout? Yes, Seth. Uh- <laughs> the Philippians handout, brother Bob. The Philippians. N- <laughs>
1: Yeah. We're still being together
0: it's seven. <laughs> the seventh chapter of Ephesians. All right. So on page, um, well, I think we finished up page one last week. Yeah. Okay. So we're still in number one, which is salutation and greeting, but we're on letter C. So we've moved on, brother Carl, Miss Pat, from Ephesians. Yay. <laughs> You missed one service, and man, hey. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, just, well, let me just read these real quick. And so it's a salutation and greeting. It's God's grace and peace to the saints, bishops, and deacons at, of the church at Philippi. And letter B, Paul was grateful for the saints' fellowship at Philippi. And uh, and so we have been covering that. We're still kind of on that. So I'm trying to see where we, I usually mark with the date where I where I was last week, but. And I looked at this yesterday, so <laughs> so it's letter C, partakers of grace together. That's verses 7 through 8, and um, it says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, let me back up to verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. So, partakers of grace together. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians. And, you know, they, it's not like a, a local church situation where it's a pastor in the congregation. This is Paul, who is a, he's kind of many things. He's obviously an apostle, but he ministers to the church in many ways. And yet he's not there, and right now he's in a he's in a Philippian prison, or in a in a prison where the Philippians are communicating with him at. But he says there, I have you in my heart, in uh, verse seven. Even as is me for me to think this you of you all, because I have you in my heart. And that just made me think about the fact that our our worship, our service, our fellowship, it all needs to be heart worship, heart service, heart fellowship. <laughs> Because if it's not that, then, uh, then our worship, our service, our fellowship is broken. If we're just going through the motions or we're just... And listen, there, there's plenty... And you see this in the, in the church of the Ephesians in, the, in Revelation, that they, they were doing everything right that they were supposed to be doing. And I think they were doing it for the right reasons. But at the same time, there, was, there had been a disconnect. They, they had lost their first love. Every saint, every church is capable of going off the track in that way. Again, you can be doing everything you're supposed to be doing and you can be doing it for the right reasons. And you read the about the church in Ephesus there, uh the Ephesian church in Revelation, and they were they were doing things for the right reasons. But again, they had lost their first love. And the Lord Jesus was very clear when he said, you know, there's only one answer, repent, go back to the first works. In other words, Have God moving in your heart, moving in the church. And if it's not that, then it's fundamentally broken. And it doesn't matter if you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. If you're not doing it with love in your heart for God, for others, with the power of the Holy Spirit, then what we're doing is not what he wants done. And again, you know, I I think that a lot of us are used to looking at things from the outward appearance this is getting done. This is getting done. And the Lord Jesus, let me just turn <laughs> and just mention a couple of things that uh, that they talked about. Revelation chapter two, I think it is. And to the church of uh, Ephesus, write these things saith he, uh, he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labour and thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come quickly, come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so, this, the, again, this church of Ephesus, they had... From the from what a man could look at and see that they were doing they had everything right and there was no there was no shortcoming everything was exactly the way it would it was supposed to be but they had they had a fundamental problem and that was that the heart wasn't in close communion with Christ anymore and the Lord Jesus said that that thou have thou hast left thy first love and so listen again if our service if our gathering together, uh, and listen, each one of us as individuals, if it's not a heart worship of God at the center of it all, we have a fundamental problem. Right. And so it's incumbent upon each one of us <laughs> to seek God's face, not just on Sunday mornings, not just before going to church, not before doing some specific work for the Lord Jesus. But every day, every day we need to be in close Communion with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's listen. It goes without saying. I shouldn't go without saying that uh, you can be a born again believer and not have your heart in tune with Christ. And if that is the case, then everything else needs to stop immediately. The The Lord Jesus talked many times in the Gospels about going and getting alone with God, getting in your closet. And getting it in a private time of of getting back together with the Lord Jesus, because that is going to be. Listen, we cannot do anything without the Lord. He made that very clear. The Lord Jesus, when uh, when uh, and I'll get to you in just a second. <laughs> Patrick will lose his train of thought, if I, I will, I'll <laughs> but I'll lose my train of thought. <laughs> uh, and and you know when the Lord Jesus said, you know, uh, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is two in a in a in a yoke together. You're yoked together. What's that? Sympatica. Sy- I don't know what that means. In step with one another. In step. Okay, that sounds good. I don't know. Well, listen. I, I think I had said before a symbiotic relationship, but that's not true. We are not. God is not dependent upon us, but we are entirely dependent upon God at every level. Listen, we cannot do the least of things. We we can't even worship in, on our own in our own prayer closet or what we can't do anything except god should help us left to ourselves we are still sinful people <laughs> you know the, the holy spirit thank god that at salvation the holy spirit comes in and never leaves now you the bible is very clear you can quench the spirit but that ceiling that happens when we're saved it never is broken we're never out of his hands but we can quench the Holy Spirit, and so that, that's something. That I think the, the Church of Ephesus, you could say, they were at the very beginning of the problem. They were at the very that, that, that very point at which they had started going off track. And the Lord Jesus says, "Repent, go back." <laughs> and that's the answer, Brother Patrick. You're going to say
1: so. You were saying it's incumbent upon all of us. And I don't remember what you said after that, basically to have that hard relationship. Right. But, okay. But that's interesting that he says in here. Ye are all partakers of my grace. Yeah. And so that goes with what you're saying, is as we're walking in the spirit, we're and, and the grace of God is on us because we're doing the right things, we're a blessing. We can basically partake of the other
0: person's yeah. grace. Yeah, and I think that's grace. exactly what Paul is saying right. here, is that and by the way, when when Paul says you're partakers you are partakers of my grace, God had come to Paul <laughs> or Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. You know, and listen, I can't help but praise God for Paul's testimony. I mean, it's really one of the most extraordinary testimonies in all of human history. You know, this man who was, you know, <laughs> I heard I heard some preaching about this this week where they were saying that the, you know, the, 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 the persecution had come to the church in the book of Acts and they they scattered. But they went everywhere preaching the word. <laughs> so that, that persecution actually enabled them to obey God. And so they went everywhere preaching the word. But Saul was not content. He's a, he goes to the chief priest of the Pharisees and he says, listen, I've heard some of these guys down in Damascus. <laughs> Give me some guys and I'm going to go hunt them down and bring them back and either throw them in jail or whatever they were going to do. So the fact that the, that, that the Christian witness had diminished in Jerusalem was not good enough for Saul. And he's like, I'm going to go out on the road and I'm going to find these guys and I'm going to bring them back and throw them in or whatever. And so there Saul is on the road to Damascus and the Lord Jesus meets him there. And he appears to him in a light that's that's greater than the sun. They all get knocked off their horses. And, you know, Saul says, you know, uh, uh, let's go ahead and turn there before I (laughs) I mess it up. Uh, One thing I can do is I can misquote a verse. (laughs) I think it's Acts chapter nine. Okay, yeah, this is great stuff. (laughs) Acts Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, threatenings and slaughter, (laughs) against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul... Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the Lord Lord Jesus appears to a man who is hunting people who believe in him. And you know, I, I thank God for what the Lord Jesus says to him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know, if I was going to appear to Saul, and I, if I was God, and I was going to appear to him, I would say, "What do you think you're doing?" <laughs> but what he says is, "Why are you persecuting me?" The Lord Jesus represents that he they, he comes and and comes to a man who's hunting Christians, and he says, "You." are persecuting me. Remember the Lord Jesus said uh, when He said, "When when you've done unto the least of these, you've done also unto me. Now He's talking about ministering to them. Helping them. Giving them a coat when they're cold. Rescuing them. Giving them help. And here He's saying that when Saul of Tarsus is persecuting the church, He is persecuting the Lord Jesus himself, and Jesus is revealing to Saul on the road to Tarsus that the Jesus who he is hunting is actually God. That the story of Jesus dying on the cross to save mankind and rising again was the story of God becoming a man and walking on the face of the earth and laying that life down and rising again in victory over hell, death, and the grave Saul is finding out in that instant in time, it's all true. And he has been hunting anybody who has espoused this as being true and threatened him, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He is an enemy of the church. And he is an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus appears to him and says, you are persecuting me.
1: <laughs> Look how quickly he acknowledged. He said, who are who are?
0: The-? Yes. And that's very much part of this story. Right. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And look at this. This is the other thing that's exciting about this. He's saying, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. When Saul is persecuting the church, he is actually persecuting himself. And the Bible talks about this, I think it's in Titus or Thessalonians, where he says, those who those, that's exactly it, they who oppose themselves. Right. People who are going against the Lord, going against His work on earth, they are opposing themselves. Any of us have ever had a run-in with an atheist? Or, and really, they're not, I don't think they're atheists. I think they're God-haters. They hate God. They hate God's presence. They hate God's work. They hate God's Word. They hate everything about God. I mean, they're not just people who just don't believe. They're not indifferent. They hate, the, they hate the Lord. They hate his people. Right. And so, listen, uh, the Lord Jesus is very clear. You are persecuting me, but it's hard for you. <laughs> this is actually hurting you. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, I imagine he would be trembling and astonished. Yeah. Remember how this breathing out threatenings and slaughter, and he finds out that the story is true. The report is true. This Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, the promised anointed Savior from heaven. Jesus is the Messiah. I, I, there's this. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you have heard of Ben Shapiro. He's a, uh, he, he's someone who espouses a lot of conservative views, and he's he's an excellent speaker. He's an excellent uh, debater, but he's a Jew, and uh, and I was just watching. Somebody, John MacArthur was uh, last night uh, was was and he was talking about Isaiah 53 <laughs> and how Isaiah 53 is actually. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about this, whether or not I agree with it or not. But he's actually saying this is one of the most complete blueprints in the Bible of Messiah and his work, what he came to do. <laughs> and I think he's right. I think that, that Isaiah 53 is one of the most complete blueprints you see in the Bible of who Messiah is. So I say all that to say this. Paul on the ro- Saul on the road to Damascus found out that his enemy was actually the Lord Jesus himself, the, the, the Savior from, from heaven, the Son of God, everything that he said he was. I just read this morning also when the Lord Jesus was before the, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they, they asked him, saying, um, You know, I'm going to misquote this, but he ended up saying, They said, Are you the Son of God? And he says, Ye say that I am. You know, I think that, I don't know, sometimes I think of things from, from the alternate perspective. I wondered if they thought, we're not saying that you're the Son of God, but listen, the Lord the Lord Jesus is eternal. They will say it. They will say it before His throne. And hopefully, and, and the Bible records in the book of Acts, that many of the priesthood come to Christ. They come and, and, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and become saved. Glory to God for that. But of those people that were in that room, the chief priest, Annas or Caiaphas, I don't know which one it was, but uh, I wonder whether or not he ever believed. Because if he didn't, one day, before God's throne, he will indeed confess that Jesus is the Son of God. The Christ, the Messiah, the Lord from heaven. Yes, sir.
1: We go back to basically You said they're they're haters of God. Yeah. Okay, in Romans 1, it lists that. Yeah. Backbiters, haters of God. Yeah. (laughs) right, so Romans 1, and then you go back to Psalm 139. David, for they speak against thee wickedly, Mm -hmm. and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Yeah. Do I not hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Amen. Right? So we're actually supposed to have, uh, do not I hate them, O Lord? Right. But with perfect ha- perfect hatred it says later. So it's not you know the type of hatred that we might feel or something. Right.
0: Like that. Well it means to love less. Well, so <laughs> means to love less.
1: Right. In that case I'm not sure that means that. But I
0: you know, well
1: in the other ones I agree with you, but I'm not sure about this one because
0: Yeah, I d I don't I I don't know the original language. I, I, I say if I would read hate, you know, that's a pretty strong feeling. Uh, but regardless um the like the, they they represent themselves as unbelieving in god but they they their works present they hate god they hate the things of god they hate everything about god um so uh and and really i think i know where you're coming from Miss already too in that sense that the lord jesus said to love your enemies so really that 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 whole thing and that passage and this they they, they all need to be put together you know i think that david was Certainly, uh, David was a passionate man, no question about it. He was uh, a, a passionate man, uh, and so when yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I can't say what exactly that was. I don't know. I, I have a difficulty <laughs> addressing that. Yes, sir. Well, I, I guess here's here's part of the reason why I paused because. Esau, the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Now, I think that, and again, and this is why you put the whole thing together. I think that the Lord would have saved Esau. I think he would have loved and saved Esau. But listen, Esau re- represented the flesh. He, re- he did not represent anything about, you know, from a spir- spiritual perspective. He represented the flesh. And the Bible talks about Amalek, you know, and, and so many different things. And these are fleshly sort of actions rolling in the world and God very clearly does hate those things. You know, there's no redeeming the flesh. Like Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. So the flesh cannot be redeemed. It can only be killed <laughs> and put down. And then when the when the Lord calls us home at the rapture, even if we've died before, our bodies are brought up out of the grave and transformed. And so this fle- this flesh will not be redeemed. My flesh will be changed. I will be changed into a glorified body like his. That's what the Bible says. Yes, sir. Okay. God says, You come to him. Amen. Now I'm pretty sure I'm telling that way. Jews believe in Jehovah God, like we do. However, if they don't believe in Jesus Christ God, we know in the end many Jews will come. Yeah. Yeah, the the problem is is that the Christ, the Messiah, was sent, and so when they rejected the Messiah, they rejected. And you know, Paul talks about this in Romans. Uh, it's late Romans, like Romans eleven, I think. Anyway, he talks about they reject their own salvation when they reject the Messiah. Now the thing is, is is believing in God and the God of the Old Testament. You know, that was fine. Up until the Messiah came, and then you know, and and there's there's a great deal of this. This is a big discussion to have. <laughs> yeah, Bob brings out just a little rabbit trail, but it's a big thought. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm kidding. Well, yeah, and well, the thing is, is you know. Uh, again this is a, this is a big discussion and I, I I hate it when I haven't been able to think it through <laughs> um, so anyway but the, the Lord Jesus is God and he is the angel of the Lord which is God in the in the Old Testament and so in in many different ways you know there are places in the scripture where I have a difficult time finding out is who he is in this spot is it defined is it God as in the Almighty or is it because you know, we have times in which we can say, this is a pre-incarnate Christ. This is a, a Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can't always identify that. And there are times where that pre-incarnate Christ identified himself as... This is, this is where it gets dicey. Because <laughs> I haven't looked at it recently. But anyway, there are times in which, I, it seems like if I remember correctly, there are times in which that pre-incarnate Christ seemed to be identifying himself specifically as Jehovah... Which is some people identify Jehovah as the Father, but not the Son. I don't, I don't know that that's true. So again, this is a big subject. It's a big thought. And uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, sir. So want,
1: back to Psalm 139. <clears throat> it actually says, do I not hate them? Right. It doesn't say their, their deeds. And so we, we as Christians have to say, well, there's no contradiction in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So why would it say that there and say love your enemies? somewhere else. And here's one clue. It says...
0: uh, So which verse are you looking at? uh,
1: Verse 21. Okay. It says...
0: I hate them with perfect hatred.
1: (laughs) Well, it says, Do not hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. Mm -hmm. These are God's enemies he's talking about. He says, For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. These are God's enemies. They're not like someone persecuting you and me, although they're doing it because of Christ. Right. But I think we need to understand that, you know, try to decide, decipher why it says hate them.
0: Okay, well, I think what we're discussing with Saul is a pretty good example of this right here, and that God clearly has uh, adversaries that are opposing him and opposing themselves and at the same time, he loves them and is willing to save them, Correct. but they are identifying themselves as God's enemies.
1: One, one distinction, he did it in ignorance, ignorance he said. Right, yes. The Saul. people in Romans 1 are doing it because they, it says they have the knowledge of the truth. Right. So I think that's what this is talking about, people who have rejected God, and basically right. it says he gives them over to a reprobate mind, meaning that means... Rejected without hope of salvation.
0: This is why you have to put this piece with this piece with this piece. Like in in Peter, he says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there are people that like Saul was before he met Christ, he was with the enemy. He was the enemy. Right. And so, you know, very clearly, there's no way that he can define himself in any other way. And, and Paul talks about how he was the enemy of the of the church of Christ. And so he identifies himself. Now he is on the side. It's opposing God. And so and, and I think, I, again, I have to be careful how I talk about this, because, you know, I, listen, I agree, that Paul uses, or David uses strong language in this. Do not I hate them, with, per- uh, O Lord, that hate thee, and, and, I'm not, and am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Yeah. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay. So David was a man of war. <laughs> so it's difficult to say whether or not it was a man of war you know, seeing an enemy and seeing not just an enemy, but an enemy of God and responding in a way commensurate with that. A man of war, you know, on God's side and looking at an enemy of God. The same and, time he's seeking
1: wisdom from God. Yeah. He's saying, I hate what you hate, but at the same point, if there's any wickedness in me and I need to love right. that person So the Bible is careful to say we need to be careful not to cast our pearls from
0: yeah. swine. Yes. Mm-hmm
1: got to seek discernment, and wisdom of where we have to value spending God's time. That's a
0: pretty Sometimes good God thought.
1: He's like, right. No, these are absolute enemies. You're on the right path.
0: You yeah. cast and spin Right. And, and there are times in which that's exactly what's needed. That kind of wisdom that okay, Yeah, right. Right. And and that's a good point too is that when the Lord Jesus Thank God that we could wrap all this up (laughs) because I didn't feel like I was addressing it perfectly well. But anyway, this this thought is, you know, like, you know, again, we need that wisdom from God and God is willing to save all. But some people identify themselves as God's enemies and identify themselves as opposing God. But Saul is absolute proof that he would save them, too. You know, and, and now the Lord Jesus, I, listen, this is something else. Let me just give you the, all the distractions I can possibly give you. Because <laughs> I hadn't thought about talking about most of this today. But, you know, I have thought about how the Lord Jesus appears to Saul of Tarsus, an outright enemy of God, enemy of the church, enemy of the work of God. And the Lord Jesus appears to him in a glorified form that blinds him. You know, I have thought about that over and over and over. I, I even prayed for my dad for a while there. Lord, hey, whatever you got to do <laughs> to make my dad see before he died. And, of course, I, I have I've told you guys before, I, I feel like God's given me a lot of comfort at that Brother Carl was part of the comfort I got about my dad and, um, and among, among other men in this church. But anyway, the point is, is that I, I have asked God before to do everything, even if it took something like this. To save a loved one a friend a co-worker whatever and and listen the point is is that we are not God we don't have the perfect understanding of all things we have scriptures and they give us understanding about many things and they but at the end of the day we still need God to search me O oh God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and again, I guess I see that passage as David was a man of war, <laughs> and, and he saw himself as God's God's man on God's side, and people who were lined up. You know, it, it produced this thought of in him. Uh, but he was also the author of this, moved by the Holy Spirit to write these things. So, I hope that's that's made everything as muddy as possible. <laughs> you know, God wouldn't even allow him to build a temple because he was a man. That's true. That's absolutely true. Amen. Okay, so uh, we didn't get very far, but it's good stuff. (laughs) All right, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Please bless your word to our hearts, Lord. If there's anything that we discussed that wasn't quite the right way of uh, looking at it, please help us all to come to the proper understanding. Please bless in the coming hour for your glory. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.